You're listening to the Hotard Huddle Podcast, presented by me, Michael Hotard. Check it out as we dive into sports, movies, music, TV, and more. This is the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Bring it in. It's time for the Hotard Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Hotard. Back for another episode. It's episode 16 done quite a few of these so far on today's episode i have uh, a very special guest it's my friend carolyn who's coming to us from the great white north carolyn woodjets uh she and i met at Nichols. she was a uh soccer player there she played for for the colonels go colonels and um she's coming on today because we're going to talk a little bit about couple of things uh, that are current, and that is a little bit about some of the impact on coronavirus. Um, we're going to dive into some of the athletics that are being affected by it. Carolyn has some experience with sort of the accidents or outside factors that can hinder athletes, and we'll kind of talk about the pain points of that. Uh, we're also going to talk about some of the differences of what's happening in the U.S. as well as Canada, where she is from. And then one of the other things that she actually has in common with my wife, uh, Carolyn, is also pregnant. And right now it's kind of a nerve-wracking time for, for pregnant women because of all the stuff that's happening with coronavirus. But with that being said, Carolyn, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to talk to you. It's been quite a few years and I mean six or seven since we actually got on airwaves together so appreciate you coming on thank you for having me I'm so excited to be here hell yeah so um <laughs> let's uh, fill us in what's what's happening what's up what what are you doing how are you doing in the midst of all this with your job and just kind of everything going on all right, that's a bit of a loaded question. Well, I'm <laughs> coming to you live, like you said, from the Great White North. I'm currently um, 18 days into not leaving my house for any good reason. Um, I am a grade three teacher, so um, I'm not sure how Louisiana's handled it, but up here um, we had our March break set for the week of March 14th, and leading into that, our federal government actually announced that schools would be closed our March break and then for the following two weeks. So as a teacher, we didn't really have much time to plan for that. Um, And we were set to go back April 5th. And that recently, as of today, has now been extended to May 4th. So at least for Ontario, where I live, that is kind of the situation for kids everywhere, which is so sad. Yeah, it's tough, and you know, with with Finn, I know he's experiencing a lot of cabin fever himself. I mean, he's two and a half, so he doesn't fully grasp the concept of what's happening. Um, but I know it's it's straining for him because he just wants to go run around and he wants to go to daycare. He wants to go to his grandparents' house. He wants to do all these things, and we just can't right now. Um, so it's it's tough on him, and I'm sure it's tough on uh, most kids out there. I mean, no matter what age, just because you're asking 
a child, a bundle of energy to just stay cooped up. But for you guys are, you know, one of the things we're doing in Louisiana, um, a lot of schools are doing live live classes through things like Zoom, stuff like that. And I have a lot of teacher friends who have told me it's been quite a process and most of the teachers that I've talked to are not too fond of it. So I guess for you with uh, teaching third grade, what's uh, are, what are you guys expected to do during this down period? Yeah, so they're actually trying to roll that out because obviously these are unprecedented times. But um, the direction from my board specifically has been a focus on e-learning. So um, we're not actually delivering content live through Zoom. It's more of you would send an email to families and it would kind of outline each subject area. And there might be hyperlinks that kids can go to for extra math practice or a downloadable worksheet or um, an expectation for reading. So it's more of like a week at a glance doc, I would say. And students kind of work through it at their own level. We're also not allowed to assess them. So we haven't actually gotten any um, insight from our education minister about how kids are going to be affected in terms of their grades. So that'll be really interesting. And I know, like, Canada's school year goes till June 30th. And I think you guys end a little bit earlier, right? Yeah, we end typically late May um, and then some mid-May. But between, like, mid-May to early June is basically the the sweet spot. So, I mean, for me, it's like the kids here have missed truly a whole semester. And I should mention before um, – all of Ontario where I live, we've been on a strike as well. Teachers union trying to bargain for a new contract. So students were already missing one to two days of school leading into this pandemic stuff since January. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know realize about the strike. So what's uh how does that affect you guys, I guess, in a sense of the school year? Because here you know, especially in Louisiana, we have designated days for natural disasters, of course, being in a very heavy hurricane center. Um, but yeah. they, they allot X amount of days. And if you breach that, you know, you have to extend the, the school year, which I believed happened a few times during my childhood. Uh, can't recall how many or how many days it was. So is there going to be something similar with you guys miss- missing so much time or are they just how, – how are they going to – basically tie the bow on all of this? It's a good question, and I I don't think they quite know yet. So as of today, um, nobody will be in a school before May 4th, and then as we approach that date, I think they will look at number of new cases um, and things of that nature. We have a similar um, built-in thing here for things like snow days, which you guys don't have to really worry about. but usually if kids miss 30 or more days, then they would extend into the summer. But again, I think just not knowing what kind of the future holds in the summer, like it's hard to say that make that call now, I guess. And I guess for you with, I mean, of course, uncertainty is never, never a comfortable situation to be in. Um, but with, you talk about how you're, kind of doing these week at a glance plans, so to speak, how much of that is put on your shoulders? How much of that is kind of given to you by your, by your school board and your school administrators, or is it pretty much just, 
you have it planned out? Yeah, it's pretty much um, you're in it to win it for yourself. Um, our superintendent is wonderful, and I work for a great board, but it was kind of like you're an educator. You know how to educate kids. Find some engaging things to do that kids can access from home. And I think the real struggle is, and it would be worldwide, not just here in Canada, but even in Louisiana, not all kids have technology. Not all kids have the ability to, you know, sit down and read with families for 30 minutes a day. It's just kind of hard to reach such a vast amount of socioeconomic kids. And up here where I live, we have a lot of kids that are English as a second language. So kind of trying to differentiate your lessons to meet all those kids, it's really hard when you're not face-to-face. So we're doing the best we can. And I know I speak for educators all over the world that are in this situation that we want the best for our kids and we're going to do everything we humanly can. And just the longer we stay home, the faster this all ends. So. Amen to that. We, uh, we're actually, one of the constant struggles Melissa and I have with Finn right now is because she and I are both working from home at the moment, she's got a full day typically. I have not so much a full day because, well, my business is predicated on other businesses doing well. And right now, a lot of other businesses are shut down. So in essence, we're dealing with those drawbacks. But, um, you know, I still have things I like to knock out throughout the day. And one of the things I've dove pretty heavily into uh, with all of this, not just the marketing company, but Hotard Huddle for this, just because... To keep my own sanity, I'm trying to stay creative, trying to just put some content out there just because me being bored is never a good thing and it's never good for anybody because I feel just like a worthless piece of shit basically. Um, but with Finn, you know, it's tough because he, you know, he goes to daycare and when he's at daycare, he's learning. So his learning, not to say it's gotten halted, he's a two and a half year old curious little kid. Um, but, you know, while I'm working or focusing on marketing or maybe this and, you know, my wife's focused on her her job, you know, he's, of course, running around the house. Um, but he doesn't get the social interaction that he gets at daycare with other kids. And I think that's the the big, big thing that he's missing right now. And it sucks because legitimately there's nothing you can do. It's not like we can call up a friend and be like, hey – why don't you come over and uh, bring so-and-so so they can play together because, well, that's irresponsible. But, yeah, um, yeah I mean, right now it's it's tough. It's tough for, I think, kids of all ages, um, especially, you know, younger ones um, like Finn who, you know, don't really understand the magnitude of the situation. And you're teaching third graders, so I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of that is – somewhat the same not quite as misunderstood but i'm sure there's a lot of misunderstanding there with some of the kids you're teaching too for sure and i had someone reach out to me a good friend and she was like you know carolyn i'm really struggling because we're not doing a lot of learning at home and she's got two young younger kids but they're in like jk and grade one and i just said you know what at the end of the day as parents and I'm a soon-to-be parent but this is quality time that we long for with our kids where we have an excuse to be at home and 
be creative and bake or watch things together or play in the yard. And I just think that kids that grow up in 20 years from now will look at this as the best time of their life. And I don't want, like, I hope so many parents aren't feeling a level of stress or guilt where they feel like they have to teach their kids reading, writing, all this stuff. Because to me, I think from an education standpoint, that's important. But I think from a human standpoint, just interacting with your kids, letting them know that they're loved, not dwelling on how stressful this is for us as adults, and making this just the best time of their life. Like, I think that takes precedence over any learning. Oh, I'm with that 100%, uh, especially with with Finn, just kind of relaying off your point of um, just being there for them emotionally, trying to take away that stress. I mean, the first, you know, my wife can attest to this too, the first week we had him home where it was all of us, I mean, it it was brutal. He... You know, he wanted to get out. He's starting to get used to it now, though. Um, kind of figuring out the routine. He's still struggling with a couple of things like nap time that he normally doesn't struggle with for us. Um, but he's he's starting to get there. But that's one of the tough parts too. Is and I think that's something I've I've I'll give myself a little pat on the back for in all this is being a little more patient with him because. You know, when he does something wrong, of course, we put him in timeout. We correct the situation. But I'm trying my best, and so is my wife. And I think we've done a pretty good job of it so far is not yelling and screaming and creating a hostile environment because it's probably the last thing he needs right now because that normalcy has been broken. Um, But one of the funny things, I guess, about a a two-and-a-half-year-old versus maybe an eight or – seven, eight, nine-year-old is I talk about the misunderstandings of that, uh, of the situation at hand. And it's funny because, you know, Finn during that first week was asking, Hey, can I go to daycare? Like, you know, I want, I want daycare. I want daycare. And we're like, Oh, sorry, buddy. Like, you know, it can't happen right now. There's a nasty virus going around. Well, ever since we told him that, he took the words nasty virus to mean that diarrhea is going around. So he'll just randomly say, hey, we can't go to Target because diarrhea is going around. Like, all right, sure. I'm going to let you believe that. It's <laughs> So, you know, you talk about the memory of, of these eight-year-olds. The memory of my two-and-a-half-year-old is going to be that diarrhea was going around. And I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> he died for a month just to get away from that. That's funny. <laughs> right. Oh, but and I think I don't know if it's similar in Louisiana, but um, where we are, they've, they've even closed parks to the point where they put caution tape and a sign. And there are police that are navigating the neighborhoods and the popular sports fields and things. And if you're caught on there, you can be fined anywhere from 500 to like a couple thousand dollars. That's that's fantastic. I mean. So, like, even a park, right? Like, a kid, it's like, oh, cool, I get to stay home with mom and dad, but then they can't even go to the park that they go to every night. Yeah. Well, that's what, uh, you know, my wife and I were talking about, because there's a little little playground area, like, two two minutes from our house that Finn does like to go to, and it's unfortunate, because he is home with us, but we can't take him there. And, you know, you mentioned the, the uh, government stepping in and, basically putting a stop to it. I actually was talking to someone, a buddy of mine who works for wildlife and fisheries the other day, and he's 
Uh, he does coverage at one of the, you know, parks around here. And that's what he was saying. He's like, yeah, been doing that, working a little OT right now, just driving around, making sure people don't go in the park because they're not supposed to. Um, so he's trying to stay contained in, in his truck away from, you know, uh, the coronavirus and everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, but it's all precautions that essentially need to be done um and i wish i wish the u.s and uh louisiana namely would have started implementing more policies sooner but you know hindsight of course is 2020 um but hopefully this thing will start curving soon because right now i know it's 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 putting a strain on a lot of people right what um what is it like from a financial perspective like has the government stepped in to offer help for people that are perhaps laid off or anything in that regard? Yeah. So, um, one of the big things, uh, we're actually looking into from a business standpoint is a, uh, small business loan, uh, because right now, uh, part of the stimulus package that they're rolling out currently. So each, um, each person is going to get, I believe, I believe it's 1200 per adult, uh, through a certain threshold threshold of how much you make uh annually but uh 1200 per adult and then i believe it's 500 for each for each child um so they're rolling out that with their stimulus package though so everyone's going to get checks um another part of it for from a business standpoint though is like i said those small business loans so we're kind of looking into that because part of it is uh you know uh, some of those loans can qualify for forgiveness. So we're trying to kind of figure all that out, see what happens just because again, we just don't know exactly when the end game is. They can project and project all they want. You know, it could be six weeks, could be eight weeks, could be 12 weeks, could be longer. You know, we just, we don't know. So I think the government's doing an adequate job of being proactive and doing that. I'm honestly, kind of surprised by it but they have to keep the economy going um but what about i guess what about you guys you know what has canada kind of done to step in and alleviate some of those pain points i've been surprisingly really proud of our government and kind of the measures they put in place so things like most mortgages and banks are deferring mortgage payments so you've got option you don't have to um a lot of electricity companies are saying are doing the same thing where they're deferring payments or making them in smaller increments so that it's less of a financial strain um a couple other cool things are in canada if you don't have a job so of no fault of your own you can apply for unemployment insurance um and that's good but it doesn't umbrella everybody that would be affected by covid So they've created an emergency fund and essentially similar to you guys, every adult that doesn't qualify for unemployment insurance is eligible for a $2,000 a month, I guess, credit. um, And that's for up to four months. So from a financial standpoint, like our cost of living is higher, of course, being up here, but I still think that all this money that they're offering and it truly does umbrella almost every Canadian, so every situation you could be in. 
um, I, I feel really proud because there's one thing to make people stay cooped up in their homes, but there's another whole level of insanity that would break out if people were financially burdened, I think. Oh, 100%. It's, um, there was a, a film called The Big Short. Uh, I forgot when it came out, but one of the things that constantly gets quoted in, uh, you know, in that movie and in economics classes, stuff like that, is for every, for every percent that unemployment goes up, 37,000 people are likely to die. And, the reason for that is because of the stress. I mean, once you start talking about unemployment, you're talking about people with substance abuse surfacing or resurfacing. You're talking about, you know, uncharacteristically acting out. You're talking about suicide rates increasing. So all these basically derogatory factors come as a result of being unemployed. And I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever had the the distinct pleasure of being unemployed but you know the first job that i had i got i got fired from and it's not that i did anything crazy in fact it was i always say it was the biggest blessing in disguise because i mean when i had that job i was drinking every night heavily um but it's uh I, you know i got canned and again that uncertainty sets in and it's just like oh crap my world's falling what's going to happen meanwhile i really didn't have much to worry about because when i did get fired i was still living at home we were in the process of renovating the house we're in now and uh you know i didn't have the same burden of bills that i obviously have now um so but there was still that that uncertainty so i can't imagine that uncertainty coming you know at this point in time with the responsibilities i have and then of course with with children to look out for now so it's yeah it's 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 wild once you start talking about unemployment rates i completely agree but the other thing i think positive coming from all this is all the companies that are um changing what they manufacture to help and how many people are rallying together like did you watch the iHeartRadio concert the other day I didn't I didn't watch it but of course I saw of course I saw Backstreet Boys I did watch the video of their little performance so yeah it's when yeah even like there's a company up here called Bauer that makes hockey helmets but they've totally halted production and instead they're building protective personal protective equipment for all the healthcare workers, because that's the other, I guess, scary thing is when equipment runs out. But seeing how these even small startup companies changing, like 3D printing companies are going off up here and just printing the protective shields for nurses and doctors to wear. So I think that from this, there's going to be a lot of good as well. I'm trying to take the high road here, Mike. I feel that. No, and but I mean that's that tends to be the case when tragedy strikes. I mean, you know, for for all intents and purposes, there's obviously a lot of bad vibes, a lot of bad things that happen every single day, but when when you get tragedies, you tend to come out on the other side. Now, it doesn't last very long, but you come out on the other side feeling closer and, you know, the the one I can think back to 
uh, personally is is of course the terrorist attacks on 9/11. I you know I may have been young, but those are those are things you don't ever forget. And I guess this kind of rallies back to your point about kids remembering this for the rest of their lives. You know, uh, people remember when when the Challenger blew up. People remember what they felt during the Great Depression. You know, kids kids of my generation remember what they felt and where they were when we found out that planes were hitting the towers and crashing all over America. Um, but it's, you know, you come out on the other side of it and people tend to, to rally around. One of the one of the cool stories I saw, so, uh, I mean, it's no secret of mine that my wife and I are both huge Disney dorks. Um, one of the cool things I saw was Bob Iger, who recently stepped down as uh, CEO he has completely waived his entire salary to to help out employees. And uh, the current CEO, whose name I can't remember, he actually took a 50% pay cut to help out the employees. So it's, it's cool seeing these companies, kind of like you said, do things they wouldn't normally do to just help the greater good, whether it be the benefit of their own company or whether it be benefiting someone else. One of the really cool uh, local stories I guess I have uh, for you is uh, there's a pizza place that I go to frequently called Fat Boys right there outside of New Orleans. It's in Metairie and um, that right now they're having people send in money and they're going around to all these hospitals and healthcare facilities or uh, you know essential jobs basically uh, and handing out a ton of pizzas for their staff so there's a lot of good being thrown out there and like i said it just drives home that point of in the wake of tragedy people tend to kind of put the differences aside and i think that's really cool 100 percent, and i think we need to focus more on that and i always say there needs to be like an all positive news outlet because i don't know how much more news i can watch but all in the dumps <laughs> but like i want to see stories like that all day you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I actually got added today by a by a person I'm friends with on Facebook and all it is is a group for people just throwing up positive stories. So I I completely get that and I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way as you do about that. Um but I guess I guess for you I I to segue here, I mean, you kind of got to keep it positive. Um just because of the situation, you know, I talked about it earlier in the podcast. So you're, you, you actually, what, that was today you posted you're 30 weeks pregnant today? Yep, 30 weeks. Dude, hell yeah. Well, first of all, congrats. Um, and then you're Thank having, you. you're having a boy, correct? We're having a boy. Sweet. Yep. So I know. I, what's, uh, I guess, you know, let's, let's dive into that. Um, you know, you and I were kind of talking because I remember, um, I forgot how we got on the subject, but we were texting back and forth a few months ago uh, talking about it. You, I think you had, uh, um, we were talking about, I had just found out I was having a girl and stuff and we were just kind of talking yeah. about, you know, what you were hoping, stuff like that um, and what we were hoping. But, you know, you found out you're having a boy. So I guess what's the, what's the first thought on that? We're so excited. Um, 
I think when you find out a gender of a baby, you your life kind of flashes before your eyes, and you, you kind of peek into the future a little bit and all the things you have to look forward to. Um, we would have been happy with anything, but um, obviously a boy is, is so fun, and coming from a sports background, myself and my husband, we're really hoping that he enjoys those types of things so that we can still be close to the games that we love. Um, but obviously it's kind of a scary time, and I'm sure your wife feels it too, but like just appointments being canceled and all that stuff that's going on with the pandemic, that putting a little a little bit of a damper on it, but trying to stay positive. For sure. I mean, you have plenty to look forward to, but yeah, my wife actually got a call today um, about an appointment being pushed back and actually the kind of the new policy they're going with at her, uh, at her doctor's office. So she's going to have a, one of the other doctors at her next appointment. They're just trying to be a little bit safer, you know, try to keep, all the bad out of the office as much as possible which is of course completely understandable but it's definitely it's definitely an interesting time to be expecting um but one of the i guess one of the positive things that she and i have constantly talked about is there doesn't seem to be any significant studies or findings out there that this really does affect um pregnant women as well as kids uh, to a great deal to the point of, you know, over complications, stuff like that. So hopefully that holds true. And, you know, hopefully both you guys can, you know, have a, have a, some smooth sailing. Now, one of the questions I do have, uh, I guess for you guys, one of the things that has happened here in a very, very select few places, it's definitely not the majority and I don't think it will be, but one of the, uh, challenges some people are facing here is having to deliver without their spouse or significant other or child's father there, which I can tell you right now, if the hospital implements that, I'm either getting arrested or I'm getting in the room because I'm not just going to be like, oh, okay, I'm not going to see the birth of my child. So is that happening anywhere for you guys? So it's, it's kind of funny, and I find it bizarre that hospitals haven't streamlined a set process for this. So the hospital that I'm set to deliver in, as it stands today, spouses are allowed to be present um, for the labor and delivery. But after the baby is born, um, they're only permitted in the hospital if it's between the hours of 10 and 6. Hmm. So if you deliver at 3 a.m., dad has to be like, okay, cool, see ya at 10 a.m., which I find super bizarre because it's like, you're already there. Why would you have them leave, possibly come into contact with something that has the virus on it or in them, and then come back? Like, for me, it's like, why can't he just stay? Yeah, that logistically... Well. Yeah, that logistically doesn't make sense because, okay, if... Well, let's assume, hypothetically, dad or mom is carrying the virus. Well, that virus has already been manifested, <laughs> like... Leaving's not going to prevent that. Right. I'm like, if I have it, you have it, and vice versa. So let's just do this thing. And, I mean, especially with any baby, but it's our first, and we don't really know what that whole day is going to feel like, look like, sound like. So the thought of not having, like, my husband there is absolutely devastating. And I'm like you. I might just pull up to the parking lot and refuse to go in and 
do it there if they start these crazy rules. But yeah. um, one thing that they have implemented as well is that throughout the entire labor and delivery, both you and your spouse have to wear a mask. Mm. <laughs> I'm a little worried about that because I don't know if you've ever worn a mask, but they're not the most comfortable or easy to breathe. Well, I was going to say, you're you're dealing with contractions. You're going to be trying to trying to breathe through that. <laughs> Um, but yeah as far as as far as the hospitals here so we have you know ours they're they're starting to take precautions of once you're in you're in meaning if i leave to go get food or anything like that then i'll have to wait x amount of time before i can come back um which i mean logistically is a little bit smarter now of course it does suck because one of the things that you know we did a lot of um, just to avoid eating hospital food was getting takeout. But I guess the solution to that is whoever comes to see us that day, bring us food. Um, if they allow visitors, of course, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy time right now in terms of all that, but hopefully, you know, you want to keep this positive and everything. Let's hope for the best on all of it. And that, you know, everything kind of subsides by then, but um, overall, as far as some of the other things, uh, as far as pregnancy has gone, you know, what's, what's been maybe some of the, some of the crazy parts about her, maybe even as, as a mom, like what's some of the things you're most excited about aside from maybe sports when, once they're older, let's stick with the infancy stage. Yeah. Um, it's been pretty cool. It's everything I, in my post today, I put, it's been everything I, always thought it would be and, and more it's really cool because when you get to this stage and I'm sure you've been through it and are going through it but feeling him move all day every day it's just so comforting and it's crazy like we'll just be sitting there watching tv and you'll see like a foot or something like protrude out so that's just been pretty humbling to be like I'm creating a life I'm responsible for exercising and eating right and all that good stuff so I feel like it forced me to be extra healthy as well. Um, but yeah, I think my husband and I are just so excited. We've both always wanted a lot of kids and um, future colonels, I hope. <laughs> so time will tell, but um, I don't know. Just we're at that point where we would be watching TV at night or whatever we were doing. And I'd be like, I feel like we're at a point where we need something else. Like, there's more to life than just us. And so that's when we kind of decided that we thought it was time. Yeah, for us, it was, uh, we kind of always had the timeline planned um, as far as when we wanted to. And we, we were a little behind on that timeline. Cause I don't, I don't know if you know this, I've talked about it briefly in a few blogs, but without going into great detail, you know, Melissa and I uh, struggled for, for Finn Um you know, for the, for quite a while and it wasn't, it wasn't overly long. And I know there's people who have it much, who have had it much worse and a much rougher go than we have. But, you know, it was, it was tough the first time just because, you know, it's, it, it was essentially both of our biggest fears, but it came to a complete shock to us when, you know, we said we were going to start trying and then ultimately it, it instantly happened. We were literally in, uh, we were in Disney world and one of the things that happened. So there's this, 
there's this relatively unknown thing called the Disney rash. And it's, it's basically just this outbreak that a lot of people will get on their ankles and feet and it's itchy. It's irritating. Um, they say some of it has to do from the chemicals they spray to keep the park clean. But during, uh, during Melissa's pregnancy with Finn, she, she had the Disney rash. Well, we were there this last go round and she started getting the outbreak of it one day and it wasn't bad, but I'm sitting there and she and I both just kind of, kind of looked at each other and we're like, you're freaking pregnant. And then we get home and we test and sure enough she was. And the funniest part is we get in, it was eight or nine at night and of course, the first thing she does was test, and we had this old pregnancy test. I think it was two years outdated, and she, you know, she does the test, and we're like, "Yeah, that's positive." Okay, I'll be back. I'm running a CVS and gonna go get more of these to make sure, and I come back, and sure enough, it it had happened. We we're just like, "Holy shit!" And then we were convinced the whole time we were having having another boy just because a lot of the symptoms were the same stuff like that. And then we were just completely in shock when we found out otherwise, not that it should be a shock cause it's a 50 50 shot, but it, it, it's always a, it's always a crazy ride, but it's, it's definitely a fun one. It's, it's exciting to say the least. And I'm sure you guys are going to have a lot of that same fun now. Um, for y'all getting back to the sports. So, you played collegiate soccer, obviously. What about uh, what about your husband? What sport was his uh, sport of choice? So my husband actually was a college athlete, too, in Ohio. So he went to Tiffin University, um, and he played baseball there. He was a pitcher. So is there going to be any uh, any rivalry in, in the household of, all right, soccer or baseball? Oh, big time, big time. But... <laughs> I'm gonna put on my teacher hat and say like our baby can be whoever he wants to be <laughs> and whatever he wants to be but deep inside I'm like please be a soccer player or you can play for Nichols baseball but that's it <laughs> that's the only way I'm sorry I'm cutting it off there <laughs> that's awesome but um yeah we it's nice kind of both coming from the same background and um I don't know I just you kind of have a better understanding for each other and kind of competitiveness in our household and just things like that so i'm sure that's gonna rub off on our little one as well yeah we're hoping for the same he uh he's been doing swimming for the last uh for the last two and a half or two years basically and um we're hoping he gets into that soccer is another big one i'd like him to play and then basketball but the two big ones i think are soccer and basketball for me so um i'm right there with you on the soccer train but um but as far as uh collegiate sports go let's let's dive into that a little bit because one of the things that you and i were talking about when i had invited you to be on the podcast was the impact that this virus is having on athletes everywhere. I mean, it's, it's crazy. You know, we're, of course we're seeing all the jokes on the internet of, you know, day, whatever, without sports. Um, but it's the world we live in and it is a weird world right now because of it, because in the American culture, especially, I can't speak for Canada because, well, I don't live in Canada, but, um, 
here it's such a stranglehold as far as pop culture goes. I mean, sports are second to none here. So when you're constantly looking at replays and stuff like that, knowing that baseball opening day should be happening, the NBA playoffs should be about on should be on the horizon. Um, and then NFL draft is approaching. You know, there's all these big events. Uh, WrestleMania was just canceled. All these things are just kind of happening, and then of course the Olympics this summer getting getting postponed for right now. It's 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 crazy. It really is crazy. You also missed that it's NHL playoffs, Mike. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we're we're in the same boat. Like we're pretty big sports fans just across the board, and um, we. I had was gonna surprise my husband because he's put up with my moodiness throughout this journey um with opening day tickets for the blue jays and thank god i didn't buy the tickets because all this is just starting when i had this grand idea but it's just been it has been it feels like there's a void there's a void that needs to be filled even our my husband listens to a lot of talk radio um like just so many people are affected because they've got nothing more to talk about because there's no end in sight yeah, I I mean I don't listen to too much talk radio like I used to, but I I think that would be interesting to just take a day and listen to what they're saying just because there's like you said there's just a heavy void there. Um one of the things that I did and I uh one of the guys that follows my blog, he he had just, you know, was like, "Dude, I'm glad you did this because I needed something to take my mind off of not only coronavirus but just get some sports back." But I did every year I do a March Madness bracket and you know, I do a selection process. I stretch it out over a week, week and a half or so. I make it fun, I make it interesting. And this year I did um, you know, each bracket was a different topic and then each bracket or each topic was broken down into subtopics and things like that and you know that was another big event we missed was March Madness which for me doesn't really do that much but a lot of people love March Madness love the end of college basketball and the finale there so it's it's crazy um and what sucks and this is a point I guess you can probably drive home better than I can but when you're talking about athletes, you're talking about people who have worked their entire lives to perform on these stages, to perform for fans, to perform for themselves, and seek the, all the glory that comes with sports, from the championships to the success to the failure, everything about sports, everything that drives home the narrative of why sports are important to us. It's all just been robbed by this awful pandemic that's going around, and that's that's got to be a tough pill to swallow as an athlete and the reason I'm bringing that up and Carolyn knows this and the reason I think you can speak well to this is one of the things that happened to you during your career at Nichols was your senior year essentially you got robbed of what was supposed to be your senior year because of uh, your injury which if I'm not mistaken you tore your ACL correct yeah I did the trio the ACL Oof. MCL and meniscus Jesus. So talk a little bit about that, you know, just coming from a perspective of someone who has had, you know, all they've worked for, you know, you worked your entire collegiate career for senior year. That's what you look forward to. And then 
you know, fortunately you were able to get the, the medical red shirt and everything, but you know, to go into that season, that's not something you're expecting to happen, but it became the reality essentially. A hundred percent. So that was the absolute most defining moment of my life. It was the worst as well to date, or at least one of the worst, but I'll never forget like just feeling like I was in the best shape. I was voted captain in the spring of my junior year, so I knew I was coming in to my senior year with girls I had worked alongside for, you know, four years. Blood, sweat, tears, everything. Um, And then I just will never forget, I got hurt playing soccer at home. I was just trying to stay in game shape. And I think the worst part was, like you said, Mike, it's not only... Is it something you work for your whole life? But you're part of a team for the most part, and a lot of the sports that are affected are team sports as well in what's going on currently. Um, but you don't want to let your team down, and you just you strive for that glory, like that last year senior day walk across the field with the teammates you grew up with. And I was so upset that I wasn't going to have that chance. So um, – I had a really special coach who's no longer at Nichols, but Dylan Harrison, I'll never forget calling him and through tears trying to explaining what happened. Um, and I just said, I don't care what happened, but I want to come back and play my senior year. Cause I was set to graduate um, that May and this happened in August. And then obviously soccer is a fall sport. And at the time I wasn't quite aware until Dylan started to explain it that it's a big deal for programs as well and that's something I wanted to touch on during this chat with you is I had a special coach who saw that I would put the work in and try to be back for the following year but that scholarship money that excuse me that they have to take out of their program or from other areas to pay for me right like so when I say I had a special coach not all coaches I think would have given me that second chance. So what happened in my case, just briefly, is I rehabbed for a solid year. I didn't run for 10 months. It was pretty wild. Um, But I was able to get back in decent enough shape to come back that following fall and play, and I graduated in December. And uh, I think that that year, Mike, was when we started doing KNSU. That was, it was. Um... So there were a few times in the rough but um like I said what's going on now and I think about basketball the big one for me and how the NCAA obviously canceled March Madness and their postseason like one not every athlete has the ability to put their life on hold and come back for another year of school two not every program has the funds to re-give that athlete the same money that they maybe were getting the first four years and that's still going to be an issue next year should college sports go on. Now, one of the stipulations, and I can't remember it verbatim, um, but the NCAA did grant, I think it was the seniors or maybe the entire rosters, an extra year of eligibility. I'll, I would have to double check on that, but I know something was put forward and put in place, which is a good step in the right direction because to have it taken away by essentially and for lack of a better term an act of god you know that just that sucks um 
And you touched on the money side, which is an interesting conversation in and of itself and something that I wanted to talk to you about. So I guess this can segue into it. Um, but you being a, be, you being a women's soccer player, I mean, um, you know that I'm a big fan of women's soccer, especially U.S. Um, and, of course, one of the big hot topics right now is the pay gap. Uh, but before we get into the professional realm, the college realm, it – it's insane and I guess kind of playing off your point of it's a testament to the coach and the program for putting you ahead because you know as well as I do that a lot of women's sports are just depleted at in terms of the collegiate level even men's sports you know realistically speaking most universities thrive off one maybe two sports if they're lucky and those two, okay. one or two sports feed their entire athletic program. And for a school like Nichols, there was a reason the football program had to play, you know, teams like Oregon, teams they had no business playing against at that moment in time, but it was for those paychecks. Um, you know, there are schools like LSU who have some great athletic programs, but the reality is, we all know who's driving the money. It's the football and it's the baseball program uh, for schools like that. So it's for women's sports, especially it it's tough because like you said, you know, there's not a lot of money to go around. Um, so it's just a, that's a interesting conversation in and of itself. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy you got to have that senior year because, you know, uh, based on you know what I've known about you for the few years I have, I mean, you seem to work hard in everything you do, and you never want to see an athlete stripped away of something as important as a senior year in college sports ever. For sure. I feel like the luckiest person on the planet to have got to go back, but like I say, not every athlete will be in the position that I was in. And I look back, and truly it did shape the rest of my life kind of fell into place like um I was able to start a job that January when I graduated where I met my husband and I don't I just feel like it really did set me on the right path and I would have been very uneasy stepping away from Nichols not playing all four years I just felt like that Thibodeau Louisiana the Colonels, everything to do with Nichols State University it has such a piece of my heart and soul that I couldn't let leave without it being a complete chapter so how many how many times have you gone back to Nichols since graduation I graduated in 2012 and I've been back three times yeah so and that and and I'm sure you feel the same way about I do or the same way that I do about this but I'll go to a couple of football games a year um but you know, you and I both kind of have that same mentality about Nichols of there's no other school in America I'd rather have gone to. And, you know, when you step back on that campus, especially seeing the improvements that have been made since your days there, of course, it makes you jealous to some degree because you're like, well, shit, I want all this. But on the other yeah. side of it, there's just this gleaming sense of pride um, anytime you step back on that campus and Every time I go to those football games, you know, I, I just feel happy to be back on that campus because of how much that school meant to me, just because of the relationships I made, the, 
you know, the the lifelong friends I've made, the the times that were had, all of that, everything about college. If I could do it all over again, I'd do it in a damn heartbeat. I I truly say that all the time. And just because this is coming up, tomorrow the Nichols Soccer alumni, we, we're having a big um, Zoom, like, reconnecting time. So I cannot wait That's dope. to chat to little male teammates. There's about 13 of us that are all so excited to reunite so i feel the same way i would never change a single thing that may be tearing my acl but again it all worked out well, the good thing, you know, one I guess to turn it into that positive because one of the things you've said is it shaped a lot of your life. And one of the great things about sports and life in general is you tend to, you know, in those moments of just hard times, you get moments of clarity after the fact. Like, you know, the lowest, you say the lowest point in your life is the ACL, but how you came out of that was so much better. You came out with clear vision, you know, whatever it may be. I kind of feel that same sense of falling out of journalism and getting fired because that was easily the lowest point of my life. And I came out with that. I came out of that a lot better than, you know, going into it. And I, you know, those moments of failure, um, not to be the cheesy guy who's, uh, quoting sports movies there, but, uh, you learn a hell of a lot more from, from losing than you do winning so it's you know just another great case of that i guess now um back to the topic of uh, of the professional realm of soccer one of the things that we get robbed of with the summer olympics is of course soccer and yeah it's you know you like I said earlier, you know as well as I do, I'm a huge U.S. women's soccer fan, more so than the men's. And, um, you know, not getting to see them play. Hopefully we will, but if not, uh, that sucks. But yeah, uh, one of the big hot topics right now in, in women's soccer is the pay gap. Now, I'm not sure about the Canadian national team uh, because I haven't done as much research on the rest of the national teams that I have on um, the U.S. team. But I know the U.S. team, when they have their World Cup every four years, they make more than the men tenfold. Uh, So one of the Mm -hmm. biggest fights that they have right now, and they're kind of coming at the forefront for all of women's soccer. is that pay gap because obviously the men are getting paid substantially more now of course there's a bunch of other factors that you know have to be talked about with this but overall um you know it it's great having a team like the u.s in you know my own backyard and not far from your backyard so to speak to kind of put women's soccer on the forefront and let people know hey assholes we're right here I know, I know. I uh, I'm I'm pretty proud of the U.S. team, and obviously I'm a Canada fan. But I cheer for the U.S. if Canada is out, or you know whatever the case is, because I follow more players and get more excited to watch individual players. So I'm not like, oh, I believe Team Canada. Like, well, I hope we do well. I love Alex Morgan. I could watch her all day. Sydney Larue. Like, you know what I mean? So um, I feel really proud of the people that are outspoken like Megan Rapino and, and some of those girls and I I mean I don't know how much you want to 
get into this, but I could talk for hours about it. But um, in, it's my belief that players of any sport should be compensated based on performance. Yeah. So, it, like, when you look at the numbers and the women's team has won four World Cups, like, one, been all-out world champions four times, and the men never like sometimes don't even qualify and the I think that I was reading today that the time that the men I guess came third was in 1930 that's yeah so it's like uh you know well there's I a I think that should come from performance there's a well there Yes and no to some degree because at the end of the day, if money's there to be made, it can be made. The problem is, I mean, I think you and I both know how corrupt uh, FIFA is and how corrupt soccer is as a sport in general. Um, right. But that's the that's the big issue here is not only are the the U.S. women outperforming their male counterparts. They're blowing them out of the water every four years in terms of revenue. Now, at the club level, should they be making more? Probably not just because at the club level, they're not selling out as many stadiums. They're not putting as many seats. They're not selling as many jerseys. But I can tell you this, finding a women's soccer jersey and the impact that they have on the U.S. during World Cup is unprecedented because you know I went to Academy looking for a Megan Rapino shirt. I couldn't find a single one. They were sold out. Uh, they weren't just sold out of Rapino. You know Alex Morgan. You couldn't find hers. I think the only one um, I was able to find was maybe Becky Sauerbrunn because I think they covered or they had uh, or no Julie Ertz. I'm sorry, it was Julie Ertz. They had they they were carrying five players. Uh, shirts at the at the academy that's near my house and yeah four of the players were sold out and see that is so cool to me and and you're right they're like a lot of the women when they're not playing on the international team or the the national team they're playing in the nwsl which really isn't televised perhaps locally but here in canada like i couldn't turn on um a houston game you know um whereas the MLS is a lot bigger and a lot of the males that are part of the national teams are in the MLS. Like our TFC games, our Toronto FC games, sold out stadiums. Such a great fan base. So I do understand where you're coming from, but I think, like you said, from an international standpoint, everybody knows who Abby Wambach is if you know anything about soccer. 100%. You know, that's that's what's been cool about the U.S. women's soccer pipeline because – the reason I got turned on to it is because I grew up with two sisters that played soccer, one of which played at Nichols uh, in the early 2000s. Why didn't I know that? I have no idea, but now you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I remember sitting at home as a kid watching Brandy Chastain rip off her shirt. I remember watching Mia Hamm dominate everyone and being the best person on the pitch, bar none. And, you know, when Abby, I remember when Abby Wambach played in her first World Cup and she was basically the one to take the torch from Mia Hamm. You know, they talked about her. They were like, this is the crown jewel. This is going to be the next, the next diamond on here. 
And then, of course, um, in 2010 was when I first really knew about Megan Rapino and became a big fan of her. Uh, someone she's always kind of reminded me of relating to a, uh, a male player is Mesut Ozil, just because she's always been such a great setup person for the U.S., you know? It, nine times, I, I obviously speaking uh, in some hyperbole here, but nine times out of ten, it was Rapino sending that cross to Wambach for the patented header. Um, but... Uh, this this past World Cup, I will say, being a Rapino fan, politics or not, I was a fan before the politics. I'm an even bigger fan now after the politics. But watching her dominate the way she did, even with missing a game during the World Cup run, oh my God, I was salivating at it. It's one of my favorite sports moments ever, just because... She's getting all this hate and love at the same time, of course. For as many people that hate her, there's probably just as many that love her, if not more. Um, For sure. But right after she gets into the spats with Donald Trump, you know, everyone's ready to criticize her. And then she scores that goal and then just runs over to the sidelines, throws her hands up. And again, it's just that cocky, smug, like, yeah, here I am. What the hell are you going to do about it? Like, just dope. I love it too but I think and she's a great person to lead the charge because she doesn't care like she's like this is what I believe in I'm a boss on the field I get it done you're gonna listen and hopefully I'm hoping I read that there's um the trial that's coming up in May one thing I find interesting is that so as a teacher we're part of a union in Canada which is good and it's bad but in soccer like you mentioned, there's politics, but the men and women are, um, like, have separate bargaining units. Yes. So for me, it's like, let's get an umbrella bargaining unit or union and kind of join this together. Because I find it already strange that, like, there isn't a women's teacher's union and a male's teacher's union. And at the end of the day, we're doing the same job just as well or better than men as a teacher. And same with soccer do you know what i mean yeah um to some degree i i get it i think the toughest part with that would be the fact that they're at the club level because of how different they are um but one of the things i do know about the u.s is um women are paid uh salary they a lot of them are salaried uh at the club level and i don't believe it's the same um or international level, I'm sorry. Uh, when they make okay. the national team, they, they, they're salaried as opposed to the men who rely heavily on bonuses, game uh, game checks, stuff like that. Um, but that being said, I mean, if you want to start going game-to-game check and spread that umbrella out, it would still be the same case. The women would blow them out of the water because they're winning more games at the end of the day anyway. Um, and... There's there's plenty of evidence out there that at the international level, the the women make more than the men in a given year. So something needs to be done. And I wonder if it's the same for other countries, because like I said, I really haven't done the research on other countries. Um, around the time of the World Cup, I wrote a long column about uh, about this topic, about the pay gap and everything. So it's something that... You know, I hope the next generation keeps 
blazing those trails for because once again the u.s have a healthy crop of women uh who are up and coming you know morgan's gonna soon be the the wily vet the rapino if you will um in due time and then you're gonna have girls like rose lavelle who broke out of her shell in the uh in the world cup and she was an interesting one i'm i'm gonna touch on her a little bit here and i'm curious to see what you what you think of her but one of the things i said to a buddy i was watching the games with her first game she had flashes where she was impressive and then she had moments where i'm just like okay what the hell are you doing and part of that's probably youth and then as the tournament wore on you started to see her just know her role get more comfortable being on that stage and by the end i mean dude i'm excited about what that girl's gonna do in four years time she's probably one of my new favorite players like i always love the rapinos and morgan and all those girls but um and i love julie earth but there's something about Rose that I think is going to be, and I was so looking forward to the Olympics this year. I was going to be on maternity leave, <laughs> and I was just going to sit back and watch soccer all day. Um, but I guess we'll wait till next summer. Uh, but I think there's humongous things in store for that girl. She is such a good uh, center mid, and just the way she sees the field, it blows my mind. Yeah, she... Uh... She's she's definitely a little firecracker, you know. She's very shifty. She's uh, she plays fast all the time, and I think that was one of her biggest problems early on. Is she would just get too far out ahead of the plays, essentially, because there were multiple times early in the tournament where she would take a shot, and it for all intents and purposes, it was a good look. But if she would have just waited, maybe an extra dribble that shot becomes even better and almost automatic. And then by the end of the tournament, you started seeing her dial in. Um, I I can't remember which game it was, but she had one near the top of the box. And I mean, drilled, absolutely drilled one into the, to the far post if you're looking at the TV screen. So um, yeah, she's, she's I unbelievable. Think, I think like that, uh, she started, like you said, she got better as it progressed, but there is a big difference when you reach that international level. I have never been there, but even going from playing club soccer here or high school soccer to collegiate soccer, my first year wasn't my greatest, but you're getting the hang of the style of play and all that cutesy stuff that you could get away with in you know your earlier years doesn't fly especially on the international stage. So I was proud to see her evolve, and I just, I'm just i so mad the Olympics are postponed. It's kind of mind-blowing. But I also, we're going to see some good athletics next year. Think about having an extra year to prepare. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I can't wait for... Uh... I can't wait for next World Cup, too, just because, I mean, men's and women's. I love both events. They're fun. Um, one of the uh, one of the, the cool things, I guess, is in terms of uh, sports go that I thought was really awesome. So one of my – going to the NFL side, so Super Bowl this year for the halftime show, Shakira. Um, Shakira and J-Lo's performance, I, I was really happy to see – 
those two. And then the last song they performed was, of course, Waka Waka by Shakira, which was the theme for 2010 Men's World Cup. So um, that was cool to see. Um, You know, since then, I've actually gone back and watched uh, her live performances in 2010. And just everything about World Cup, men's or women's, is just unbelievable. It's so fun. It's so good. And again, it's... It gives us that moment of clarity that I kind of talked about earlier in the podcast uh, that kind of comes in the wake of tragedy, but it also comes in the wake of international events where, you know, you just see people proudly waving their country's flags around and nothing, nothing hits you with, I guess, that same kind of gravitas, if you will. It's, it's remarkable. It's fun. It's awesome. So... You know, not having a year of sports, men's World Cup comes, I think, in two years now, so won't be long. No, it won't be long, and you're right. We're going to rally around sport when this is all said and done from a global perspective, and I think it's going to be really special. Now, before we wrap up here, um, let's go away from U.S. real quick, and, you know, who's some of your favorite uh, soccer stars, maybe from Canada or from other countries. Men's or women? Uh, give me one of each, actually. Mm, to be honest, I don't follow. Like, I follow men's soccer, but not to the extent of women's soccer. So, like, I obviously love all the big name guys out there, like for sure, and things like that. But um, from a female level. Christine Sinclair, I don't know if you know her. I do. You know her? Yes. Okay. So she's our Canadian Abby Wombach. Yes. And she just uh, scored in the qualifying for the Olympics. She has now had the most amount of career goals ever, men or women, for any, like, any country, which is pretty badass. I did. I actually did see that pop up um, recently, but yeah, uh, Christine Sinclair is she's she's done what three or two World Cups now? Three, and three. this would have been, I think, her fourth. Like she, I don't know how she's still going at the rate that she is. That's, and that's one thing with the Olympics being postponed that I hope there still are senior people that are able to perform and go next year because i think for a lot of people this was a lot of people that maybe you and i grew up generally generationally watching it might have been like their last hurrah yes i'm really i'm praying that it's not but yeah Um, it's it's crazy when you think about the you know women's soccer especially how long these women last because sinclair's not the only one i mean wambach you know, extended her career. Mia Hamm was the same way. Uh, Marta from Brazil. There's so Love many of these. Marta. Oh, yeah. She's a she's a gritty, gritty woman, to say the least. She's a beast. But, um, you know, all these women, you're like, wait. They show up the next World Cup, and you're like, they're still here? What the hell? Like, I know. Right. Like, know. you're old. And then you watch them play. You're like, okay, now I know why you're here still. You're still great. <laughs> Exactly. You're like, I get it. Well, that's I that... really miss, um, like, Hope Solo. I loved watching her. Yeah, it's a, that's um, definitely, like, one of the biggest downfalls and tragedies in, in sports, I think. 
if you haven't read her book, anybody that listens to this needs to go buy it because it's not all about soccer. That girl overcame so much and yeah when you read it you have a different perspective of her interesting i'll have to i'll have to dive into that a little quarantine read for you there you go but it's (laughs) it's interesting about women's soccer though one of the things that i think makes the women so interesting is those stars that do get up there in age the reason they can still play at such a high level for example carly lloyd the previous world cup you know she went ape shit scoring uh Four goals in the in the final match. Um, yeah, they they're mentally they're just they they're all wise beyond their years in terms of the game, you know. And that's that goes back to another discussion we could probably dive another hour and a half into, and that's just being smart mentally, having it between the ears and upstairs. You know, that gets you such a long way in sports, and that's such an undervalued part of sports. Being mentally tough, not overthinking, staying cool, all these things play such a big role, and that's kind of the common denominator you see with these vets because Abby Wambach, for all intents and purposes, in her final World Cup, she didn't have the same same skill level. She wasn't as fast. She wasn't as good. She knew where to be, though. Yeah. So. 100%. And even when coaches throw a wrench and maybe you're always a starter and you don't start one game, like you have to be able to mentally just um, like step away from that and say it's not nothing I did. It's just a strategic move or whatever the case is. But you're right. These professionals have a different or a higher sense of self-worth. 100% and I I think it's more prevalent I I feel like in women's soccer more so than men's and I think that's kind of what what draws me to it because I'm always a fan of the smart athlete always Um, but that being said uh, one of the cool things so I I think I've told you this before but one of the things I'm most excited about uh, whenever uh, Melissa and I eventually move because one of the things we're looking at doing is moving to Atlanta. One of the things I'm most excited for is the fact that there is not only a men's, but there is also a women's uh, professional team there. So my ass is getting to some of those women's games, and that's a damn fact. I hope so. There you go. <laughs> Support the cause, you baby. Your little girl. Your little girl. I'll, yeah, I'll have to take Collins. Money. I don't want Collins playing any other sport other than soccer. She's got to grow up and play <laughs> soccer. <laughs> But, awesome. but no, I'm I'm excited to have you on. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap up here? No, I just um, well, one, I'm still so proud of you, Mike, for carrying on your uh, your passion. And I know if people didn't hear, we work together at Nichols on our radio station, and um, I just think that it's so good when people follow what they love. So I think that's great. I hope. Everybody in Canada and USA and across the world really takes this pandemic stuff seriously. Stays home, stays put. Like, let's just end this so we can have sports back. A <laughs> and men. ultimately, yeah, I just wish you and Mal all the best with your little baby Collins on the way. And y'all as well as uh, you approach the uh, due date for baby number one that's an exciting time so best to you and your family i know y'all are uh gonna be awesome parents and uh well 
I guess because I know you and not your husband, I'll, I'll go ahead and say I hope you win the war on sports for what your uh, son decides to play. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. I'll need all the help I can get, I'm sure. Hell yeah. And for those of you listening, as always, honor the huddle. Thank you for tuning in to the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Stay up to date with all the latest episodes released on the 1st and 15th of every month at hotardhuddle.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle.